This is Pete Moore on Halo Talks NYC. I have my friend for at least 15 years, Bill McBride, Active Wellness, coming in from the Bay Area. Good to see you again, B. McBee. How you doing, Pete? Good to be here. Appreciate you having me on the show. Excellent. So uh, in addition to your uh, accolades, it's been on the most webinar expert panels over the last six months. Why don't you give our audience a little bit of uh, an update on where you're devoting most of your time as we go through this uh, great reset? Yeah, we I mean, active wellness, we manage fitness centers around the country. We're in about uh, 10 states, two sites in Canada. We have about 60 or so sites that we manage for other people, hospitals, corporations, tenant amenity, property management, commercial clubs, so on. And we've only got about 10 sites that are doing any kind of business at all. So the majority of our stuff is uh, shuttered, just like a lot of other people. All of our corporate stuff shuttered. So we're, uh, we're fighting the fight, just like everybody else. And then uh, I do a little bit of consulting with, uh, with some of my friends and their clubs um, along the way. Cool. So, you know, over the last, in the clubs that you've been helping out, you know, what do you see as some of the benefits of, of you know, hybridization and going digital? You know, where do you see some of the, the, the work that probably needs to be done once we're open to kind of fully integrate and kind of change the mindset of people to say, hey, look, you know, this digital wasn't just, you know, a COVID thing, but like it's the future. Yeah, I think, I mean, you you and I and, and some other people that think, you know, similarly have been talking for years that our product's got to be outside the box. You know, it can't be just the four walls. It's got to mm-hmm. be surround sound, holistic kind of approach. And so I think the, the digital stuff, we were all toying with it. A lot of us were lo- moving slow and this accelerated that whole path. I think it's going to be like swimming pools, Pete, you know, not all your members are going to use it, but when you go to sell a membership, everybody wants it. You know, so I think you've got to have a good virtual, uh, strong virtual digital program uh, available uh, more so now than ever. But I think it's here to stay. And I, and I think you got to productize it. Yeah. So, you know, when you look at some of the operational changes inside of the clubs, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, contactless check in, uh, maybe some additional cleaning, uh, the fact that you're not using a key card, you know, and handing it over to somebody at the front desk. You know, these are things that probably we should have done a while ago. So, you know, when you look at the operational side of this business, what are some of the things that you're excited about that are happening or the next phase of that? Yeah, well, I'm excited about the virtual and digital, uh, especially on the programmatics, uh, you know, one-on-one training. Some of the happy hours, forget about the webinars for a minute, the happy hours I've been on. I've become close friends with a lot of people virtually that I've known for years, but I know them better now because you get to really get to know people in this virtual format when you're, when you're hanging out. So I think the connection piece with virtual on one-on-one training, health coaching, personal training is, is here to stay in the real deal. Uh, I'm very excited about the acceleration of, of what I'll call or what others are calling fitness pods, where you have set areas in the club for personal training or for members to be kind of on their own with their own set of equipment. Yeah. I think that's huge because a lot of the issues that we have with personal training uh, along the way are, you know, the trainers are in the way of the regular consumer on the equipment. The regular consumers wondering why they don't matter as much because the other person's getting the attention, so mm-hmm. on and so on. So I think that the pods are, are critical uh, or, or are going to stay because they're, they're a destination. Here's where we do personal training. You can sell it. It's safe. It's distance. You know, you can even take it to another level where people reserve those areas. And I'm really excited about the outdoor training. 
Um, yeah, the you know, that's blowing up everywhere. It's brilliant. Um, you go to major cities that are been closed down on indoor dining. They've got the streets that are blocked off and doing the European cafe kind of thing. And the clubs are doing the same thing. They're, they're opening up their outdoor spaces, increasing their square footage. And, uh, but I think you got to do it right. I think you got to do it as a destination. I think you got to do it thinking, you know, most of the year that you can be out there cooling, heating, ventilation, you know, curbside appeal, planters, whatever. You got to make it look good and, and be a destination. Yeah, it's interesting. I was um, I was talking to a couple of club operators and they were uh, saying, well, I don't know if I have permission to uh, to put up a tent or put it, you know, workout equipment in the parking lot. You know, maybe that's something that people should like work into their their leases. You know, there is some dedicated space that's actually out front instead of in, you know, in the back or in like, a you know, on a side street or, you know, entrance to a mall or something. Um, I, I do think that's really interesting and, and shouldn't be just a, a bandaid for COVID. I think it should be, you know, full time and put in the heaters, uh, you know, and so on and so forth. So that's a great point. You know, as you think about, you know, how long it's going to take to kind of get back, you know, assume we got a vaccine in a couple of weeks, um, you know, April comes, May comes, you know, people have invested a fair amount of money in their at home. Do you think, that clubs and personal trainers and group exercise instructors are going to maybe embrace what people have acquired for their home and say, look, come into the gym three days a week, do this group exercise class twice a week. And then when you're home, you know, you got a Peloton, do this Peloton class with this instructor instead of, you know, viewing all these, you know, online competitors as competitors, just kind of like build them into the menu, if you will. (laughs) Pete, I think you're right on. I don't view the home market necessarily as a cannibalization of the club market. Um, people really need to be around other humans, even though Peloton's done an amazing job with that interaction piece. I actually bought Pelotons for my executive team a couple of years ago for, for the holidays. So I think that's it. You've got to bake in a holistic approach. You know, use your MyZone belt outside, use your Peloton, use the weights, uh, hike, you know, all of it incorporated into that program. But, but what people are saying is they want to be back with other human beings and yeah. that social connection. Like I do a lot of speaking um, as, as do you. And, and there's nothing like a live audience. The, uh, the energy that you get as a speaker, the energy the audience gets, there's a communication there and an energy there that no matter how well you do virtual, you can't get that same thing. So, so, you know, human socialization and touch is not going anywhere. So I think you're right. You bake it into the whole program. Yeah. So, you know, from a standpoint of the groups that have a lot of private equity capital, you know, they're, they're not pulling the plug on anything. Um, you know, do you view the, the mom and pop operators or the single unit operators if they make it, which I hope they do, you know, until let's say April 1st is kind of the new, you know, pushed out goal line, if you will, you know, those groups have real opportunities to not have to focus on multi-unit operations. You know, they got 300 to 800 members, you know, and and actually, you know, manually rebuild those relationships. So do you view that, you know, localization as, you know, the key to their success? And, you know, some of these other operators have got, institutional debt and institutional private equity at the end of the day, you know, thinking small and basically protecting your base, you know, you, you, you will survive. 
Yeah, so I can take on that. I, well, I think, um, I mean, you, you know, you saw today, you, you fit, filed Chapter 11 today and, and all the others. You know, these Chapter 11s are, you know, strategic, letting people repurpose their debt and, and get out of their bad leases and deals, and, and they'll survive. The big, big operator is going to survive well. If you can make it through from a cash flow standpoint and survive, I think that the small independent operators or even the large independent operators have an advantage because the local hometown favorites, you know, they can play upon that. I'm local in my community. They can do the community outreach more effectively because an owner operator, you know, is going to be stronger at that than a typical general manager. That's uh, an employee. I mean, it's just a, you know, you've got, uh, you've got that ownership thing that that your, your life's on the line with your business. So I think, um, I think you're right on that. There is a strategic advantage for independence if they can survive with the cash. And, and right now, cash flow is everything. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of small gyms that unless there's another round of stimulus or some other magic bullet, they're just not going to make it. And, uh, and it, and it's really unfortunate because some of them have, you know, their homes on the, on the line and other, other things. Um, but in my opinion, and, and you may agree or disagree, I'm not sure where you stand on it. The last several years, supply has outstripped demand a bit you know yes. the net membership of every box if you average them has gone down a bit over the last five six years and so you know there is some correction here that the industry may come out stronger with a you know 25 30 reduction in sites uh, ursa data right now says that 15 percent of the clubs commercial clubs um, and that counts studios because mind body and, and the other member management software uh, were in it 15% are permanently closed with another 10 to 15% potential. So, I mean, we're looking at a 15 to, I mean, 25 to 30% contraction. And, it, and I think it could be even a little higher. So let, let's pivot towards talk, talking about the industry. Um, you know, I've been to 20 URSAs. You've probably been to at least 20. Maybe, maybe you got a couple on me. You know, we all kind of assume like, okay, URSA, like you handle like the political you know, lobbying and so on and so forth, but we didn't provide them any capital to do it. So it's kind of like a disservice of the industry to blame or say, hey, Ursa, you know, why didn't you help us get to become an essential business or like, where's your political cloud? And then it's like, all right, the NRA has got $95 million worth of political contributions and Ursa made $6,000, you know? So, you know, when you think about what we should do or what we should learn from this, and I had the benefit of listening to a podcast series called Gangster Capitalism, which Dave uh, Gannelin will send over to you. It was fascinating. You know, besides the fact that the NRA is effectively like an organized crime syndicate, let's just keep that off the table. But the fact is they got millions of members, one who vote and two, you know, who make contributions. So, you know, is there an idea here down the road to kind of plant the seed and, and have other people thinking about this because it's probably going to be one of the most well listened to podcasts that we've ever had because we have you on it. You know, <laughs> should we think about, you know, going to like ABC and Mind Body and Club Ready and say, hey, look, we want an option to add like a dollar or five dollars on the annual maintenance fee as an opt in or an opt out that goes towards the National Fitness Association. And, and we start to like protect ourselves because. You know, we're in a democracy that is based on, you know, you got you need capital to operate in this democracy and the, the democracy works on political contributions 
and having a voice and a seat at the table, you know, and I don't think it's been fair that people have said, well, Ursa should have done this. Like, yeah, well, didn't pay him to do it, right? They, they run trade shows, which have been very effective. They do good research and they've been helping us, but it's, it's not fair to have them be that group unless we fund it properly. So what's your, what's your take on, on that? You know, I'm, I'm done. I'm off my soapbox right now. No, I, you, you <laughs> preached the sermon. Pete. I'll turn the pages. Um, so, uh, uh, no, you're right on. If we could get more money into that bucket and, and what some operators do is they just go, Hey, I'm going to let the big players take care of that, you know, and I'll ride the, the, the coattails and, and, um, and we all got to be involved. The difference between, you know, one owner donating versus an NRA member, of course, is, you know, an individual contribution based on personal liberties and rights that you feel strongly about. You've got a very advocated, um, a, a very strong advocate base. Yeah. So, um, so Ursa's doing some interesting stuff. I'm on a standards committee. I'm on a global uh, committee. Um, but really, we got to get organized in two areas. We got to get our messaging right, you know, like got milk, just do it. You know, exercise is prevention and cure. You know, I mean, we got to get we got to get a message right where, you know, the politicians come out every Saturday and Sunday on the talk shows and they all have the same talking points. That's a great point. We need need global talking points for one. We need money into the bucket to uh, to advocate. But one of the things Pete, we've done wrong or, or potentially wrong that might bite us in the butt a little bit here is we've resisted licensure and standards as an industry forever and hair salons got open they're licensed nail salons got open they're licensed um you know we have fought licensing back in the day we fought against aeds you know we we, we fought we, we fought any regulation any legislation or industry and and now we're an unlicensed unregulated industry and we're lumped in with casinos and uh, and strip clubs and bars and you yeah, know that's a great point so I think we, uh, we have got to be serious about, hey, we stand for something with high standards. Here's what we're going to do. We, we have some kind of um, endorsement from a third party to the quality clubs, you know, and Ursa's is working on some neat stuff with pledges and, and standards and, and things that we can adopt. It's messaging. But, um, but we got to have messaging. We got to get people contributing to our cause we got to tie in with other industries that are like us that we can we can have a bigger voice with, um, but we we have to we have to face the fact that we're not going to be trusted unless we're of a high caliber in our standard of care. I mean, one, one idea I have, we might as well just get it on you know on the airwaves here is if we could tie in the health related flexible spending accounts and make that as pre tax dollars and then go to Peloton, and if you buy a Peloton bike or you buy a Nautilus or you buy a, you know, any piece of equipment or any subscription that you have that's related to your health, that gets bundled into the, to the healthcare spending um, bucket, then I think we're in alignment with those groups. And then they can be part of this, you know, political action committee or, or movement, if you will. So I think we got to agree with you. If we can think bigger about who actually has the same objectives that we do, which they're all in to benefit members getting healthy and reducing healthcare costs. And oh, by the way, we run a nonprofit, we run a profitable business that facilitates that. So I feel like a lot of it, 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 you know, 
is is what you're saying is like let's change the conversation and let's show up with bigger players as like a you know syndicate, if you will. Yeah, and Ursa, you know, had two bills that they've been pushing for years, fit and with and, and fit was exactly that, that there's a tax uh tax break, uh pre-tax dollars for fitness equipment, athletic programs, health club memberships, you know. And but but think about every every apparel, you know, you know, Lululemon consumers are usually very active. People that buy tennis rackets typically play at or have a membership somewhere as well. Yeah. You know, so so the Sporting Good Manufacturers Association will be a great association for our industry to partner with with regard to this common consumer. Who are the same consumers that we all share and how do we leverage that uh, to grow to grow the pie? Yeah, uh, that, that, that's a great point. So we, we'd love to be helpful in that in, in whatever capacity, you know, that we can. So, you know, over the next couple of months, what are you helping people line up? You know, whether it's from, uh, you know, think about your club is going through like a grand opening, if you will, or almost like a pre-sale. So what are some of the, you know, a couple of tidbits of advice that you're, you got out into the, into the universe? Yeah, I mean, my crystal ball is a little cloudy right now. Um, but, um, you know, I think you, you got to look at it like a consultant. You got to go through every transaction, every GL, you know, account and, and really lean, lean up and, and run as lean as you can without sacrificing safety and service. Yeah. Um, and then you've got to um, you've got to look at how you're going to be innovative. And, uh, and innovation doesn't need to be, you know, something brand new technology, but how can you do better and different and expand? Um, and so I think the, the, how you lay out your facility, the outdoor, the virtual, the communication and messaging, you know, those are all, those are all critical, but we've got to have, uh, have credibility with our consumer base that, that we're safe and that we're committed and that we're, uh, we're in it together to, to survive. You know, I'm a big, uh, I'm a big fan of, of, um, the MXM medallion, you know, yeah, sure. Number three stuff. And, um, and not only does that give you the voice of the customer so you can be in communication and have an, a, an intimate relationship and dialogue, but you can get, um, they have an opportunity on there where you can, you know, get a Google rating. You can get, a, you can have a referral program all baked into the platform. So it's not only an expense, but it's a revenue lead generation tool as well. And so I think you got to listen to the customer. And the point of that is the voice of the customer. You got to be in communication with the customer because people aren't going to come back if they think you're, uh, you're doing a half halfway job on it. And, um, and so you got to talk to them and communicate and be transparent. And we've been talking transparency for a couple of years, but now it's more important than ever. Yeah. And we, we, we were having a conversation earlier about, you know, your sleeper members and, you know, the, the old adage in this industry was, you know, don't wake up a sleeping giant. You know, I, I feel like those those sleepers are going to be checking their credit cards and their bank statements, probably a little more of a tooth comb going forward. You know, so I've been advising people like get ahead of that. Like you got a member, treat them like a member and stop treating them like a credit card. You know, so I feel like that's an opportunity. It's also, you know, there's probably something that's going to be, financially negative by, by going that route. But, you know, don't pretend you have a certain amount of members if you don't have a relationship with a member. That's how I kind of think about it. I think you're absolutely right. I, um, 
I, I won't say which which media outlet it was, but I subscribed to an online um, newspaper. And um, I went through all of my credit cards during this phase, right? I'm making yeah. less money now than I've, I've made in a long time. And, you know, what, are, what am I paying for that I don't really need right now? What's not essential? So I canceled yeah. the newspaper subscription, and they immediately call me and uh, go, hey, uh, why are you canceling? I go, well, it's, you know, a lot more per month than I thought it was when I signed up, and, uh, and I don't need it. Well, what if we gave you this or this? They lowered the rate like that and and i was like well that's kind of shady you know yeah, right. i've been paying for a year and now that i quit you're going to give me a better deal and lower the rate you're going to get credit for the last year you know no we can't go back you know so right, you know, right, I, right. I canceled it but but you know don't wait till somebody cancels to call them and try and save them then it's too late you got to get ahead of it so i think you're right on pete you know be, yeah, be great advice by the way yeah because it's disingenuous when when i'm calling cancel I already got it. That my, my judgment's already been made. Get ahead of that. And then if I haven't called you yet, then I actually haven't made that decision. You got a chance of keeping me. Yeah. Now I'm just pissed off that you, like I got a, I got an apartment in New York and I see, you know, listings for like the apartment below me and the part, apartment above me. You know, I know what they're, they're renting that at and I'm paying way more than that. You know, I have a conversation with them and they're like, Oh, we can't, you know, we're not changing anything now. I'm like, well, this relationship doesn't go any further, you know. <laughs> no, I hear yeah. But but I think there's a there's an opportunity there, not only trying to save the member, but but being honest. Like I know local operators that say, "Hey, we need you right now. If you like the club, please stay with us." Um, yeah. You know, and and so it's a two way relationship, and you got to treat it that way. Yeah. So so in parting here, what's uh, you know, give us give us a uh, McBride quote or. Uh, so something to leave on here. I, you know, I, original quotes, I, I use a lot of cliches and quotes. Um, you know, the one that comes to mind right now is, is the old success is a journey, not a destination. Uh, yeah. This thing's a long game. Now we got to live to survive the short term, but we got to be thinking long-term, you know, um, what is, what is, what is your product going to look like in 12 months, 18 months, 24 months. And by long-term I'm talking, less than three years, you know, yeah. but, 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 um, you know, if you're negotiating your leases, don't negotiate for six months, negotiate for survival of your business, you know, for the long haul. So, so, you know, play the long game, but do all the short-term actions you need to. And I'll, I'll add to that, you know, every professional team has the luxury of having a new season start. So nobody says like, hey, what, what did the New York Giants do, you know, in 2011? Like, who gives a shit? Like, what are they doing this season? So maybe we should start to tell people like looking in the rearview mirror is really not helpful for any purpose. So new season starts January 1 and, you know, be prepared and you know, let's try and win. Yeah. And Pete, one last comment on that is this yeah. is a good time to reset. This is yeah. a good time to, you got a blank slate. Your members don't know exactly what to expect from you. You, you know, like we're, we might not ever bring towels back other than workout towels. You know, yeah. we, we might, we might make some changes there. Um, so think, think, think from a positive standpoint that this is an opportunity to reset, re reimagine, recreate your business. Awesome. Or right, on that note, I'll see you on your next expert panel. Thanks for being relevant and helpful to everybody and what you've done for the industry. And I'm glad we we're able to get a chat going. 
and have a good holiday and be safe. Hopefully we'll see you in person sooner than later. Pete, thank you for what you do for the industry. Take you care. You too, brother. All right, man. Thanks, Bill. As we continue to build our Halo Talks email notification database, want to offer you a free $10 instant gift card from our friends at Promotion Vault. Also to show you how easy it is to offer your members and prospects and clients the ability to get desired actions out of them and reward them in real time, go to halotalks.com, put your email address into the pop-up box, see how it works, get a free $10 gift card from us, and uh, keep listening and making everybody great. Great.